brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Okay, welcome to Soft Rep Radio with Big Phil Campion from across the pond. Don't forget, we're on time and we're on target at softrep.com. Okay, what have I got for you this week? Well, I'm going to talk a big medal. I'm also going to talk about the possibilities of a military coup. How about that? I'm also going to talk about my dog and my choice of dog and why I chose my dog. And I think we're going to do a little feature every now and again about dogs in particular because they are such a great animal and they are more and more widely spread being used by the military for a number of different purposes search attack etc 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 in fact special forces are using them all over the place now which is really good news if you're a dog of course right where are we going to start then let's start with nairobi man this story broke um january time nairobi Pictures started emerging of a guy in jeans, body armour, armed to the teeth, marauding around a Kenyan shopping mall, all sorts of stuff going on inside, bangs, pops, whistles, you name it. Great gaggle of of national soldiers following him and all sorts of stuff being declared. Uh, It turns out that the press reported on this almost straight away. And although it's reported that it was my old unit, the SAS, of course, I wouldn't know anything about it. And I wouldn't be allowed to talk if I did. But all I can do is sort of like analyse what the press have said and say maybe, perhaps, or could be where I might know something else. So you get to read between the lines a little bit on this one because I'm, I'm sailing close to the wind, as it were. So let's just suppose, let's just suppose that there was a training task out in, the, in Kenya. Wouldn't be un, unrealistic to believe that somebody would be out there doing some sort of training activity with local special forces. And I think there's a big case of somebody being in the right place at the right time here because obviously the guy the guy was off duty. You can quite clearly see he's not in fatigues, ready to go. He's uh, He's been caught on the hop with his gear in his car, more or less, and he's stuck it straight on and he's got involved. From wherever he came, you know, there's all sorts of rumours. He was shopping, he was doing this, he was doing that, he was doing the other. Wherever he's come from, he's managed to get his kit into his car and get himself down their best speed. When he gets there, he finds out that there are terrorists, active shooter in the building, and Kenyon's obviously trying to formulate a plan to get in there and flush his people out. It turns out that he goes in more than once. He does get involved in firefight himself, allegedly. Obviously, you know, I'm only going by what I've heard. He gets involved in, in, in a bit of a firefight himself. Flat packs a few of them, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, he then helps evacuate a few people he's seen evacuating people there's all sorts of pictures of him coming and going coming and going coming and going more than once from more than one entry all sorts of stuff being heard inside and he it's quite clear 
that he's done an absolutely superb job. So he's led the whole thing. You see him briefing Kenyan soldiers, you know, at the back of the wagon. There's all sorts of footage of him outside. Until the proper cordon was established, there was press all over this one. So there's all sorts of footage been leaked. Luckily, and quite respectively so, they haven't put his face out public, which has been a bit of a blessing, really, because, I mean, you know, uh, from, from, from what I hear... You know, he's he's still got a bit of he's still got a bit of life left in the tank, as it were. Doesn't want to be getting out straight away. So the last thing you want is your face splattered all over the press if you're still serving, that's for sure. So anyway, as with everything, the passing line from the Ministry of Defence is neither confirm nor deny. This is a special forces thing. They never will. They never ever will. I I, I still don't quite agree with the policy myself. I think sometimes there should be a time when you should say, yes, that was ours, without doubt, because it's blatantly obvious it stares you in the face, doesn't it? I mean, look at the Iranian embassy. That was blatantly the SAS. But in this case, again, like I say, they will neither confirm nor deny, so you'll get nothing out of the MOD on this one. However, now it's time for the guy, obviously, to be awarded a, a medal for his bravery. And, he, he, you know, you can't deny a guy that no matter what units he's from. So he will be awarded a medal, a medal that he's going to get, it's called a Conspicuous Gallantry Cross. The CGC is second only to the Victoria Cross, and that's for battlefield heroism, okay? So I would imagine the only reason it didn't get a VC for this, a, a Victoria Cross, is because technically this wasn't a battlefield. It was an extreme, extreme act of bravery. However, because it's not a battlefield, technically, and this, is, this has happened before, because one of our guys got awarded a CGC in Sierra Leone, which, again, was a, a hostage-type situation, because it wasn't actually a war, he can't be awarded the Victoria Cross. This medal, the CGC, it was created in 1993, and the first recipient was a Corporal Wayne Mills of the 1st Battalion Duke of Wellington's Regiment for his actions in Bosnia. And I think the first time the SAS won one was in Sierra Leone, a few years later. Like I say, it is a huge, huge medal, this one. Second to the Victoria Cross, it's up there. And like I say, I, I genuinely believe the only reason he didn't get the Victoria Cross for this was purely and solely because it wasn't a battlefield action. So a great medal. The medal features a silver cross and a laurel wreath, and it's mounted on a white ribbon with a blue and red crimson stripe. Okay, so you're going to know when you see that one, isn't you? You're going to know when you see that one on the Brigade Square that he's done something extremely brave for it, and fair play to him. So uh, like I say, the Ministry of Defence have has not commented on special forces again, but the press are saying the medal is among others in an upcoming operationals honours list, which is expected to be published at the end of this month. They're usually a bit earlier, but this year, because of Brexit, these awards are being done slightly later than normal. And, of course, they're all claiming they've got their own sources who are claiming it's a, an SAS guy that's won this medal. Well, whether it is or isn't, and I'm not going to tell you, it is a great, great, great achievement by this individual and one that will, that picture, I mean, that picture of him going through the door, ready for anything, with his body armour, his jeans, and that picture will be iconic, without a doubt. That picture will be one of the most iconic pictures, I would have said, militarily, of this decade, without a doubt. That is a, that is a huge picture. I've, I've actually already made a T-shirt with this on. It was a very good seller, to be honest, so... It is an iconic, iconic picture of, of, of that guy, you know, with, with his head wrapped in a shemag or whatever it was, with his weapon, his body armour and his jeans on, 
bursting through a door and straight into action, straight into action, no hesitation, no messing about, no, no, I might go, I might not go. He went straight through that door and straight into action. And that's, you know, when you're in the UK now and you see these people, you know, moaning about soldiers this and soldiers that and soldiers the other, they don't fully grasp the situation of what this man's just done. He's done something extremely brave. He could have hovered about outside. He could have taken on the command role and said, right, you go in there, you do this, you do that, you do the other. You know, he didn't do that. He took the ball by the horns. He picked up his weapon. He picked and put on his own body armour and led the charge from the front. It don't get any braver than that. Now, you know, I have spoken to other guys about this and they've said, well, yeah, yeah, you know, right place at the right time. He might well have been the right place at the right time. And there might be people out here, myself included, thinking to myself, well, you know, <laughs> I would love to have been that man. I'd have loved to have been in that place at that time. I wasn't. He was. And he did extremely well. So I'm really, really chuffed to see the guy getting an absolute, an absolute whopper of a medal, a massive medal for that man. And rightly so. So there we go. I think we've just about covered the Nairobi man's CGC, the conspicuous gallantry cross. What a thing. What a thing to have hanging on your chest. I wish I had one. But there you go. I haven't. So not much I'm going to do about it at the age of 50, I wouldn't have thought either. Okay, where are we going to go now then? So in other news this week then, obviously we've got the general elections coming up here. And there's all sorts of hullabaloo about the Labour Party. So look, I'm not going to massively tell people they should be this, that or the other, all right? The Labour Party is what it is. The Labour Party has its policies. The Conservative Party has their policies. And there's lots of other little parties that do their own things, bits and pieces. But they're not realistically going to get anything in the UK. It's going to be it's going to be one or the other. It's going to be the Conservative Party or it's going to be the Labour Party that win this election. That's without a doubt. There ain't nobody else at the moment big enough to step in and take either of these two on. Now, the Labour leader, the Labour leader of the <laughs> the leader of the Labour Party is a one-times Jeremy Corbyn, okay? Now, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't gain any love or trust from any serviceman I've ever spoken to. He has refused repeatedly to denounce two or three terrorist organisations, including Hamas, including the Irish Republican Army, of whom he's been pictured with, you know, on many occasions with Jerry Adams and, and Martin McGuinness, people that blatantly went up against British soldiers, people who blatantly, you know, were behind many atrocities against British civilians on British soil, okay? And Jeremy Corbyn has been in cahoots with these people for a very, very long time and doesn't deny it. He doesn't deny it. It's out there. You can look online, you can go wherever you like, and you're going to see lots and lots and lots of evidence of him schmoozing with people who we consider as terrorists. Or certainly we did in the day. You know, the fact that some of these people have almost been reprieved and are now calling themselves politicians doesn't hold a lot of weight with a lot of people who served at the time. Especially when you look at the fact that we've got this historic allegation thing going on whereby our troops are being hauled over the coals and possibly facing prosecution, whilst the Irish Republican Army were given letters of comfort to ensure them that they wouldn't be dragged over the coals and wouldn't get in any further trouble, even if it came to light, that they had done something wrong. So it's it's all wrong. It's all all wrong. But at the top of this, at the top of this big picture, sits Jeremy Corbyn. Now, whether you like, dislike the policies of the Labour Party, it goes a bit deeper than that. I think for most people, a lot of people in this country are saying, you know, yeah, they like Labour. They like the Labour Party, they like the policies. To me, I'm pretty indifferent. It doesn't really make a lot of difference to most of the stuff that I do, to be honest, their policies or not. 
And quite frankly, I think most of them, most of them are completely way off the mark. So it doesn't make a lot of difference to me in that respect. However, with a man like Jeremy Corbyn, who is so blatantly against our armed forces, doesn't turn up to remembrance parades and that sort of stuff uh, where he can help it. And so I say, he just was refusal to put down or condone what the IRA do is is absolutely insanely mad for a lot of people. Now, so where am I going with this? Well, let's have a butchers. The Independent in the UK reported that a British army, and let me, let me read this for you so we can get British army could stage mutiny under Corpin, say the senior serving generals. Goes on to say, generals would not allow a prime minister to jeopardise the security of the UK. Now, it's well known that, that Corbyn has rubbed shoulders with all these subversive organisations and does almost support them in a way publicly, which is, which is absolutely absurd. But his policies as regarding things like nuclear deterrent, this is what these generals are saying. This is what this general in particular is saying, that if he started to do stuff which was going to undermine the security of this country, massive defence cuts, removal of a nuclear programme, and umpteen different other things, you know, our military alliances could get damaged with, with, with various different agencies that we work with quite closely now. If he's going to do something that's going to jeopardise or lower the, 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 the security of this country, then I think, what I think what they're getting at, and rightly so, is that something quite drastic will have to be done. And although, I mean, it's, it's a horrendous thing to be saying that there would be more or less, I mean, all right, they're saying mutiny. Mutiny is a strong word on in its own and carried a death sentence in, in many a campaign. Military coup is something that you would only really associate with, you know, small African countries that want to overthrow dictators. Not a Western country, which is, you know, to all intents and purposes, one of the world leaders. So a very, very worrying statement, should this, should this story turn out to be true. Would I support a military coup? Well. You know, having served myself and having many friends who, who, who are still serving, have served and want to serve even, I would have to say that I feel exactly the same as this serving general in as far as I genuinely believe that if there was a government in place that did not support the will of the people in as far as the security of this country or was going to undermine the security of this country... I would have to support any action taken by anyone who took it. If that sounds like, without trying to sort of like sound like I'm declaring a military coup myself, I've got to say, if there was somebody, you know, detrimental to the well-being of this country from a security angle, then I think I'd have to support them. I mean, it's one thing, you know, people arguing about Brexit and all that sort of stuff. You know, you could argue that the people have voted, people have stopped it. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. But our security isn't a breach. We aren't staring down the barrel of being overrun or anything like that, that, that. And I just, seriously, you know, this is quite a big story for me. So we're going to keep an eye on these elections very, very closely because, like I say, it could, it could be a massive one. Can you imagine that? A military coup in the UK. Doesn't even sound right, does it? That's insane. But like I say, that's hitting a mate. I mean, the Independent is a, is a big paper in the UK. And that's what they're saying. A serving general. A serving senior general is basically saying that, you know, there's a possibility that should Jeremy Corbyn get in, the army would have to mutiny. 
Wow, that's, that's outrageous. I mean, this general's supposed to have served in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Again, he goes on about saying he was sickened by Mr Corbyn's refusal to condemn the IRA, which killed 730 troops and injured 7,000 more during the conflict. That's a lot of people. The general said, he also said, yeah, let's, let's have another thing. The general said, many soldiers are disgusted by the comments of Corbyn and John McDowell about the IRA, men who have not only murdered British soldiers, but also hundreds of members of their own community. Responding to the general's suggestion of a potential mutiny among members of the armed forces, a senior Labour source told The Independent, it does seem like a quite extraordinary statement. Labour's newly appointed Shadow Secretary, Hilary Benn, has said he does not believe Labour would back either nuclear disarmament or withdrawal from military alliance. Mr Corbyn had earlier announced he would be pulling out at the Stop the War Coalition's annual conference due to a busy schedule. There you go. So, speculation. Speculation. And what sells newspapers? Speculation. Of course it does. So, that's the independent, making some massive waves in the UK, leaning towards a military coup. Wow. Just the thought of I'm even saying that. Is absolutely... Um, and just for the record, let's just make it clear, I'm not endorsing one way or another or trying to encourage, on one way or another, a military coup, all right? So it's nothing to do with me, and you heard it here first, all right? So there you go. I'm only saying what I saw in The Independent. And like I say, they've not stuck anybody's names to the face, so when somebody comes out of a story and says, a serving general, but doesn't give his name, well, maybe the red flags are up already on this one. Let's just see which way it goes and who wins. That's my little bit of, of news. And I'm also excited to talk about a new sponsor and just to talk about sponsorship in general. You know, we've, we've had a, a really big show on uh, Software Radio uh, on iTunes for a while. And, and I've, you know, there have been times where we, uh, we've let a couple sponsors, like it just got too, almost too, uh, too many sponsors on the show. So we dialed it back because we're really, I think careful with you know who we who we partner with, but one of our new sponsors is Mac Weldon, and they're a really interested company. I'm getting some products uh, sent out to personally test, but I like Mac Weldon's mission because I I draw a lot of parallels uh, to what they their eureka moment and their mission to to kind of like why we just started to set up SoftRep as a company, just getting frustrated with a lot of content producers out there and, and the traditional media space that just were getting military content wrong. But Mac Weldon was founded because they wanted more out of their basics. And the frustration was their eureka moment happened when they were in a department store aisle full of brands that dominated your, your top drawer, but just like mind-numbing assortment of underwear and socks. And they realized that consistent fit and quality became a game of roulette. So they decided to take matters in their own hands, and they they started Mac Weldon from scratch, engineered their own fabric, made sure the design process was meticulous. Essentially, you could count on the same fit each time. And how how many of us have been in that situation where you know you've just it's it's become this commodity, right? You're uh, of other brands, so it's cool that like Mac Weldon has really carved out a, a niche for themselves, and for sure is. Just from my brief glance on, on the website and learning about the the Mac Weldon brand, basically damn sure better than whatever I'm wearing right now, and, and probably better than what you're wearing right now. So anyway, check out MacWeldon.com for any of the listeners. Uh, you'll get twenty percent off your first order uh, at MacWeldon.com, and that's M-A-C-K-W-E. 
M-A-C-W-E-L-D-O-N, MacWeldon.com, enter promo code SoftRep, and you'll get 20 percent off your first purchase. So uh, excited to have Mac Weldon on. Uh, we got some other really cool sponsors and giveaways. The next feature I'm gonna to do today is something that's very close to me. It's my dog. Now, I like dogs. They're man's best friend. Everyone says they're man's best friend, and they are, without a doubt, man's best friend. And a lot of people will say, you know, there's a lot of different breeds out there, and a lot of choice, and a lot of reasons why you would want a dog. You might just want a dog for company. You might want a dog to protect your house. You might want a dog to keep another dog company. All right, There's a hundred reasons why you'd have a dog. I have a dog personally because I love dogs, and I always like to have a dog. I've had I've had Scottish Terriers. Okay, my choice of dog is Scottish Terrier. So my my topic and my choice of dog this week is the Scottish Terrier, right? The little Scotty, the black little Scotties, right? The ones not don't get them confused with the West Highland Terriers, right? Because that really gets that really gets me down. A Scottish Terrier or Aberdeen Terrier, as 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 they have been known before, is the black one, the one that looks like the Monopoly dog. All right, let's have a quick chat about them then. Where do they come from? Well, they are predominantly a Scottish terrier from north of the border, but they've been bred in the UK for quite some time. I mean, they're, you know, they, they first started to appear early 1800s, I would have thought, and then they, they, they've bred them in. Some people say it's one of these dogs that's been overbred. They are susceptible to cancer and that sort of stuff, so you can get a few health issues with them. Why do I love my Scottish terrier? I'll tell you why I love my Scottish terrier, because militarily, if you look back at Scottish history, there was a guy, and I'm going to get his name right now, and he basically, there was lots of stories about these dogs. They actually called them diehards, okay? And the Royal Scots, and I think it was the the fourth, some some Earl or Duke or something. Anyway, someone high up in the in the Royal Scots Army in the late eighteen hundreds, okay, about eighteen ninety. The Royal Scots were reported to have a pack of these dogs, and they took them everywhere, and they fought absolutely ferociously, and they were the loyal dogs. Now. I can tell you now that Andrew, my Scottish Terrier, Andrew being a Scottish name, okay, is an extremely, extremely loyal dog. He doesn't stray from us. He'll sit at your feet all day. If somebody comes in, he's not nutter. He's not a nutter. He doesn't go banging and barking on. But I'll tell you now, if he went, went after you, he, he, he'd, probably, he'd probably have something to say about it. Okay, I call him the Dogadile because he's got massive, massive teeth, all right? He looks like a little teddy bear. He looks all cute and cuddly. But when you lift up his jowl and have a look inside his teeth, wow, they are big, all right? So the way he was designed and the way he's been bred then was to send him into holes for things like badgers and rats. So he's a ratter, essentially, but they, 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 bred them, they bred them quite powerful so that they could send him down a hole with his big teeth, ripping and tearing, and pull a badger out, okay? Now, badgers are quite a, quite a fierce animal in the UK. Have a look at badger. Google badger if you're from the States, if you're not familiar with them over there. I'm not sure if you have them or not. But a badger is quite a fierce animal, and he's to send a dog in after a badger, he's got to be a fearless dog, all right? So he'd get down there, he'd sink his teeth into this badger, all right? Now, the tails on a Scottish Terrier are extremely thick. If you hold them, they feel like a piece of rope, a thick piece of rope. And they've actually been bred so that you can pull the tail, so you pull dog, badger, and anything else that's attached out of the hole. All right? His back legs are quite big and strong, so he'll be he'll be holding himself from being pulled into the hole, and you you hold onto his tail and pull him out with the badger. So that's the way they're, they're a hardy dog. They're a very, very hardy dog. And like I say, the Royal Scots actually used to take them into battle 
and they fought extremely hard, these dogs did. So for me, straight away, just looking at the type of breed and type of dog it was, all right, he's not a guard dog in particular, but he's a lovely little dog, and I live in a small flat in London, so I can't really ever have a bruising great big thing. Right, when did they first come over to America? They came over to America again... Late 1800s, it must have been. I think they were, they were first reported in America. And it's the only dog, actually. There's only two types of dog that have ever frequented the White House three times. And Alsatians have lived in there three times. But Scottish Terriers have also lived in the White House three times. And uh, one time was Franklin Roosevelt. He had a Scottish Terrier. And there's actually on his, on his statue, he's, he's got a Scottish Terrier with him, which is, which is quite a coup. Uh, George Bush, he had seven of them. He had a pack of Scottish Terriers which is quite cool. Like I say, they're an extremely cool animal. Like I say, the history of them, they bred, bred, bred and bred them down. And did you know, this is, this is a strange thing about dogs, actually. It takes 90 years, 90, 90 odd years, and that is something like six to eight generations of dog to create a breed. And then obviously they, they fine-tune it. If you overbreed it, obviously you start getting a few problems. But... The Scotty, like I say, has, has come from backgrounds, nicknamed the Die Hard from its days where it used to go into battle, the Royal Scots. And I think the, the Royal Scots are actually known as the Die Hard Scots or something like that. They, they really do have. This, this dog has made a, a lasting impact on quite a fine old regiment, a Scottish regiment, okay, known as the Die Hard. So the dog was actually nicknamed the Die Hard for a bit as well. So they really have got a punchy little, a punchy attitude these dogs have, and that's why I like him, because he punches well above his weight, does young Andrew. He's a, he's, a, he's a lovely little dog, so that's my choice of dog, and I thought it'd be it'd be nice to cover dogs. So don't forget on social media, I'm at Big Field Campion on Instagram, I'm at Big Field Campion on Twitter, and on Facebook, everything's at Big Field Campion. If you want, if you want to feature your dog, or you want me to talk about your dog in particular, I'll feature your dog on here, and let me know what your dog is, and I'll talk about it. I'm going, to, I'm going to cover two or three dogs. I've actually got a dog expert, a friend of mine called Danny Lyons. He trains dogs. He did all the dogs for the Olympics, search dogs, sniffer dogs, this dog, that dog. But his main thing at the moment, he does attack dogs, and they are absolutely superb dogs. What a creature to watch working. And uh, working dogs are a different kettle of fish altogether. All right, Andrew's a lovely dog. Scotties aren't really working dogs, to be honest, anymore, I suppose. Nobody's really taken them into battle impacts. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't last five minutes anymore. But um, like I say, there are plenty of dogs that are the Malinois and all that sort of stuff. And I'll get I think I will get Danny in one week, and we'll have a good chat with Danny all about dogs and all about the the sort of stuff that they do because dogs are such cool animals. And like I say, the man's best friend and my best friend too. So like I say, this week we've covered Scotties, which is my choice of dog, and I love my dog very dearly. So there we go. Don't forget. Get yourself online, have a look at Crate Club, see what they're up to. Plenty of cool stuff all coming up. I still keep going on about the Crate Club Academy. That was such a cool a cool weekend. And for me, it was a great chance to come over to America and see the lads. But a great weekend. And some of the stuff we did, there was a little trailer online, if you look online at the moment, uh, showing some of the stuff that we did. Awesome stuff with some awesome guys, all right? Also, don't forget, softrep.com. Check out what's going on. My live show's on. Three times a week at the moment. I'm just working out which are the best nights to do my show. And as soon as I've worked that out, I'll be a, I'll be a regular feature on Soft Rep. Well, I am now. So I've got my radio. I've got my radio thing going twice a month. I'll be three times a week. I shall be on softrep.com on their Facebook page. Okay, so tune in on Facebook and see what I'm up to. That's about all I've got time for this week. It's been fun. 
I'm now going to go and take my dog for a walk. I've had a long week. I've just come back from Bulgaria, actually. So I was out in Bulgaria, but I'll, I'll be posting some stuff on my own Facebook page, and I'll probably manage to get some stuff on the softrep.com as well with some of the stuff I've been doing in Bulgaria. Extremely cool place to go if you're in Europe because it's one of the only places where you can do the stuff that I want to do on the ranges, and that is have proper movement boxes and all that sort of stuff. So you'll see some pretty cool stuff appearing on my, on my social media and on here from Bulgaria. Uh, like I say... I shall be featuring some more dogs further on down the line. Nairobi man's got his medal. And at the moment, we don't know who's going to win the election. And we don't know what will happen if they do win the election. So let's just keep them peeled and see what happens. Uh, Until next time, stay safe. Who dares wins? Don't forget, like I say, check out Crate Club and check out softrep.com. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.